Hi Angels. If you've ever wondered what makes you special, what makes you the unique, magical being that you are, we've created something for you. The Soul Guide is a map of your being. It's a magical blueprint that illuminates why your soul chose to be here, now, at the birth and the dawn of the Aquarian Age. Each soul guide is roughly 70 to 80 pages in length, and it's individually created based on your unique astrology and design. This guide can't be replicated because your birth chart won't be recreated for thousands and thousands of years. Each guide is as rare and as magical as you. To order yours, go to www.thecosmiclaundry.com and use code COSMICPODCAST for 20% off today. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Cosmic Laundry Podcast, a place where we explore modern spirituality in all of its forms. I'm your host, Giselle Plamondon, and I'm here to guide you on your journey into learning more about your soul's path. I am a social worker, astrologer, and human design guide, and I love to share new ideas, new information, and deeper wisdom with you all, especially as I'm on this path and learning everything with you by your side. So join me every Friday as I open space and explore topics and ideas that will support you in understanding yourself and the world better. Hi everyone, welcome back. So I know it's been a while, I think a couple weeks since we dropped the Maiden episode and the reason for that is just that I have been in the process of moving. Chantelle and I packed up all of our stuff, put it into storage in Calgary and I'm in Hawaii and she's back in Saskatoon and so things have been hectic. I still don't feel totally present and in my body like my mind is really scattered I feel really tired there's just like a lot happening energetically but I really want to you know get these goddess archetypes to you so that you know what exactly we're going to be going through and working through with the workshop coming up this weekend and so this workshop if if you're new here if this is the first episode you're listening to in this series we are doing a seven archetypes uh, of the goddesses workshop called the seven sisters and in this workshop what our goal really is is to help people see themselves to help you to recognize oh this is me it's kind of that you know permission to be yourself energy similar to astrology But also I want to talk about some of the challenges and the gifts and the strengths of each of the seven archetypes so that we can not only develop and and hone in on the archetype that is the, the closest to our heart and that is the most activated within our psyche, but so that we can lean into the other archetypes when we need them and have so much grace and space for people who have different 
archetypes than us. So this workshop is, you know, going to be this upcoming weekend on November 19th and 20th. It is all recorded. It's all virtual. And even if you can only make it to half of day one or half of day two, or maybe even none of it live, you will have access to the teachings afterwards. Everything's going to be uploaded into a um, online course format and you'll have that forever. So um, I'm really, really, (laughs) really excited about it. I know I might not sound super excited because like I said this morning, I'm just so tired and so sleepy but I really do, I love working with the goddesses and, and working with the goddesses has really done so much for me in my own healing. And I'm really, really excited to be sharing this with you um, and for you guys to be introduced to these, you know, six other women who are also just really amazing. So today I'm going to be sharing a conversation that I had with my friend Tahiti, who is co-hosting the workshop, um, on the queen archetype. And I listened back to this a few weeks ago after we just recorded it. And I remember feeling like, oh, I don't know that we really like hit the nail on the head for the queen in terms of her why, you know, we talk a lot about the behaviors of the queen and, and how you can spot a queen and some of those different things. But um, I think that the deeper psychology and the deeper why, as well as the gifts of her, were missing in that episode. So I am going to kind of just do a precursor on that because I want, I want you guys to really understand the depth of this archetype because she is a little bit, um, maybe not misunderstood, but I, I, I think people see the queen archetype in a very superficial kind of way. And I am, I want to combat some of that. So, oh my goodness. Also, if you can't tell, <laughs> it's been such a shit show over here. Um, if the mic quality, if you're like, Hey, wait, what is going on? This doesn't sound as good as usual. I'm using my headphones because I lost I shouldn't say I, I didn't do it. WestJet lost my bags. So I'm in Hawaii on island with, I mean, I've started to, you know, go shopping and pick up a few things, but I don't have my mic sand and I don't have some of the other things that I, I need to use my mic properly. So we're going old school today. This feels like when I first started podcasting and, and I would just sit in bed with my phone and with headphones and record right on my phone. It's what I'm doing now and it feels very nostalgic. Um, okay, so <sighs> don't mind my yawns. Um, the queen. The wisdom and the gifts of the queen, in my opinion, are severely lacking in modern society. The queen is the archetype of the woman or the person who knows how to commit and knows how to choose a partner that's worthy of committing to, in a sense. But even more so, I think sometimes we hear the queen and we think of this like really powerful, regal, don't fuck with me kind of energy. And there is that for sure. There's a lot of grace. There's a lot of just sovereignty within the queen's archetype. But the truth is that the queen 
is willing to kind of, I don't want to say turn a blind, turn a blind eye, but the queen is willing to accept that the people in her life and the projects, you know, anything that she commits to is not going to be perfect. And so this can be a challenging archetype because there is a lot of forgiveness that is required within this archetype. And I think we all know that, right? If you're going to stick it through or follow through with anything, whether it's like a job, a relationship, a move, you're going to have to be able to move through the times when the thing isn't exactly what you thought it would be or when it doesn't always lean up to your ideals. And one of the things that I've seen kind of as a shift or a misunderstanding with this like modern queen archetype is that the queen is like a you know, <laughs> what, what am I, um, there's like a song lyric playing in my head right now. Um, I think there's this idea that she's kind of this boss that is like, you know, get your shit together or else. And she can be like that, especially in the dating stages, but it's more an allowance and an understanding of like, you aren't going to be perfect and I'm not necessarily going to expect you to be perfect. However, I do expect you to be loyal and dedicated. I do expect you to be building something with me. And really at the cornerstone of the queen archetype, that's what she's doing. She's building. She's finding a partner. She's finding somebody that she wants to build something with. This is an energy of legacy. This is about the long game. You are not probably going to see the queen women in your life making a huge deal out of the really small things that their partners do because they are much more focused on the long-term vision. What are we creating for our children? What are we creating for our grandchildren? What are we creating for our own selves in our retirement? Like this is a visionary energy of like, there are sacrifices that we have to make when we're trying to build something. It's not a volatile energy. It's not a like um, intense, chaotic, fuck you kind of energy. Of course, the queen can have that. She can be a little bit vindictive. She can be a little bit, um, <laughs> a little bit chaotic, but usually not actually with her partner. That's where some of the, the challenge with this archetype comes in is that queen women and again I think this is shifting are, are one of the things we have to understand about a lot of the research done on these archetypes and a lot of the theory done on these archetypes is that those books and and things were written in the 70s 80s and I think our our society has obviously changed a lot in 40 years so I, I don't know that this is as much or maybe as out there in modern society but this was traditionally the woman who would blame other women for like seducing or enticing her partner, you know, the vengeful, rageful wife, that kind of energy. What I like to think of is like the modern queen and, and a high road queen is actually really, they're hard to come across. I'll be honest. Um, because we are so much in, an Athena energy for women, like pushing women into that or pushing women into maybe some of these other archetypes. But a true queen has the gift and the ability to commit to know what, you know, to know what she wants and to follow through with that. 
Um, we live in this very like throwaway kind of society and culture, especially when it comes to women's relationships or, or perspectives with men. And, um, it's really common now, I would say, for women to go like, fuck you, I don't need a man, I don't need this, we're done here. The The queen archetype is the archetype of being able to stand up for yourself, being able to say like, this is not what I expect from a partner, but also being able to work through it. You know, there's a conflict management skill and gift within the queen. There's also, yeah, like a deep understanding and gift and and allowance. And I think for me, this isn't necessarily one of my top archetypes. It's not one of my most foreign ones either, but I am surrounded by, or as a child was surrounded by queen women who were, you know, matriarchs in their own right, but also had and have, like I'm thinking of my mom specifically, this gift and this ability of being able to relate to their partners and kind of inspire the best in them, inspire the greatness in them. Of course, there's always um, (laughs) caveats to that or like it's not always as easy as like, oh, I'm just going to evoke greatness out of my partner. But there is a a gift in being able to be a partner and being able to be partnered and being able to kind of put your own stuff to the side at times so that you can be a good partner. And I personally just don't think that that is valued in the modern day in a way that it used to be. And I actually think that that is something that is really lacking from relationships. So if you are really struggling with a long-term partnership, not necessarily like the dating phase, the flirting phase, the honeymoon phase, that's Aphrodite territory. But if you're struggling with committing and also being the type of person that somebody else wants to commit to, the queen is the archetype you want to learn about. This is the goddess you want to be working with. This is the energy that you want to be tapping into because that is her domain. And I will tell you right now, that is not always comfortable because the other archetypes and the other ways, especially if this is not your primary archetype, leaning into the queen energy can be really uncomfortable because it goes against everything that we've been told or taught for the last 20, 30 years. So there, there's a big cognitive dissonance and usually massive shadow work that has to be done with the queen. And so if as, as you're listening to this, you are like, this is not me. This is, will never be me. I'm not interested in being this. That's fine. But if you're listening to this and you're kind of triggered and then you're also like, but I do want a long-term committed partnership take note, pay attention, because there might be something in this episode for you. I also want to note that in this episode we did, again, I don't remember fully because, again, it was a couple weeks ago that I re-listened, but um, I'm pretty sure that in this episode we did kind of focus more on, I don't want to say the negatives, but like the shadow side of the queen 
and uh, that was my bad. <laughs> I really, um, I love the queen. I actually personally really, really, really love this energy, and I love when this energy comes out in me um, with my partners. I, like, love tapping into her and working with her, but this energy can be really hard to grasp and to understand if it's really foreign to you, and we kind of focused a lot on that, on on the aspects of it that do feel foreign for some people. When we get into the workshop, we're going to be talking a lot more about activating this, working with this, aligning with this, and using this energy to create more sustainability, commitment, loyalty, and devotion in your life, which I'm really excited about. Okay, so if you want to sign up for the workshop, uh, tickets are still on sale. They are still on early bird special. We have a two for one going on right now um that will all be linked in the show notes so you can purchase and sign up there and again you do not have to come live if you are busy this weekend okay so let's dive into the queen let's you know talk about her and then also you know let me know what you guys are thinking like which archetypes you're feeling most connected to which ones you feel most aligned with you can you know message me on instagram at the cosmic laundry or you can send me an email at hello at giselleplamondon.com. All right. So let's talk about Juno, the queen, the wife, the goddess really of the divine marriage or the divine union, which you just said, you know, as you said, everyone's really interested in this topic right now. What is divine union? What does it mean to come together? in a more modern sense, right? And like, what is the purpose of monogamy and divine union now in the modern day and age? So I'm really excited to explore Juno because she represents that that desire is something that isn't necessarily an external thing coming from the patriarchy. It's an internal drive or an internal instinct. So I'm excited to dive into her. How much do you mm -hmm. resonate with Juno? I know that she's going to be an archetype that I am supposed to embody in the future. Mm -hmm. um, to me, she feels like an archetype. I mean, obviously she's the wife. However, mm -hmm. she really feels like to me, someone that I'd be able to embody once I'm in that partnership in that divine union, because mm -hmm. I do feel that, and this is where my questions kind of come up around her is like, how much is it that she, like, we think of, maybe we think of like in, in a traditional sense, modern, traditional, old, 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 traditional, of course, was we didn't even necessarily get married for love or that interest. It was all too, usually it was around the kingdom, like upholding a lineage or whatnot. So in modern, in traditional modern sense, maybe in the last, let's say hundred years to me, the wife is like, is pictured or the feminine role in a partnership is sort of pictured as the person who creates the like backbone of the household or like sort of is like the behind the scenes or the background energy. Mm -hmm. And to me, like where she sort of falls into the modern sense or maybe the most even uh, embodied sense is that she's actually like it. Like she's the one who is governing, who is leading the household, the, the, like, she's that leadership role. Like, is that, is that, that's what I've been picking up intuitively, but I'm not really sure if that's accurate. 
Yeah, she can be, especially if she has one of the other virgin goddesses present, especially Athena. And Athena Hera woman is like, or Juno woman, sorry, is a force to be reckoned with when you bring those two energies together. Um, but she really represents the desire for union and for partnership. So um, there's a few different ways that this can show up. One of the, the primary obvious ways is that these are women who crave and desire partnership at the expense of everything else. They're, they don't really care that much about their career. It's something to fulfill until they get married, right? They, um, you know, even their kids come secondary, their friends come secondary, their whole world is revolving around the husband or their partner. Um, and I know this, this archetype really well. I have sprinkles of this, like I'm very devoted and committed like a Juno woman is. Um, I'm not likely to put my partner ahead of myself like a Juno woman is. But these are the women that are like, you know, dad sits at the, the head of the table, he gets served first, like it's very much the whole world revolves around the partner. And so how does that work in the modern sense? Because she also <laughs> is someone like one of her traits is that she's like really great at business and politics is my understanding mm -hmm. through the teachings and what I'm learning. So how does like, how does, how does she serve in that yeah. space? She, again, more behind the scenes. She's not usually, she, she's good at supporting her partner in whatever her partner's goals and dreams are. The one that's like purely good at business and politics on her own is the Athena woman. Okay. So maybe yeah. that's because I'm like, I'm reading the queen and I'm like, well, her traits, like I relate to that. Like I'm all about sovereignty and I do feel I am a powerful woman and like I, and I'm very relationship oriented. You know this about me. Like I have the utmost desire to meet a, my divine partner and to co-create with them and build something with them. I used to think it was in the terms of a power couple. And now I see it a little bit different and actually having a more supportive at home role with my partner and that I'm actually out there and like doing things, but that would make more sense if I carry more of say like Athena energy or archetype, because then it would be more that out. Like I'm, I'm the one. So, okay. Yeah. So I was trying to place myself in an understanding of the queen, um, or Juno. So you dive in, tell me a little bit more about her, what to expect of her and whatnot. Yeah. So the, the queen represents our ability to be committed, devoted, and loyal. You know, it really represents our capacity to um, really connect to something outside of ourselves and not be run by love, passion, or some of these other things that some of the other archetypes are run by. <clears throat> Once a queen or a Juno woman commits to something, like she is in it for the long haul, like getting her to uncommit is very difficult. So sometimes these are the women that stay in these marriages and you're like, why are you still with this guy? And she's like, well, I signed the papers. I did the thing. This is like what I signed up for. Um, and also so, relate to business too, right? Like a creation or a <laughs> path of kind of just like, I devoted myself to this. This is what I'm going to do, despite if I'm like not really happy or it's not super fulfilling. Yes, that's exactly it. They are loyal sometimes to a fault, right? Um, the, the thing that I love about queens though is that they do have this natural leadership ability. They do have this ability to support people and to really like honor others. And 
they are very, mm, what's the word? There's like a, a predictability to them. Like they also really are aware of what their responsibilities are and they don't really whine or complain about those responsibilities. And they are aware of status and what reputation is and all of these different things. So a lot of times these are the women that you see that are like the PTA moms. They're like running things behind the scenes. They're kind of super mom energy. Um, mm -hmm. And like super wife energy. They kind of, they, they desire that more traditional role sense then in partnership. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely enjoy to be led in that way, but they have a very strong, so it's this ironic thing where they have a very strong um, sense of like, Mm, what's the word not really a strong sense of self because they can get totally lost or wrapped up in their partner but they're very choosy about who they partner with they're not going to partner with just any joe blow down the street these are the women that are like yeah i want to be with a successful competent powerful man okay and this is making more sense now because I've been wondering why we invited Brooke <laughs> to be our to be our representation for Juno. And now mm -hmm. as you're saying things, yes, I can't speak to everything because I am not her. But like beyond being in relationship, what is Juno's strengths? What does she provide to our collective? She is that like steady, steadiness, like when it comes from a, a collective perspective, she knows how to just stay the course, right? Like this is what she's committed to. This is what she's doing. This is what she's upholding. She's very devoted. And that is her gift, especially in a modern society that is so like our attention spans are so low. We don't always follow through on things, right? And this is why the Aphrodite women and the Juno women kind of butt heads because they're so different, right? The Juno woman is like, what do you mean you're not following through on your commitments? You said you were going to do that. You need to do that. Um, and so they are pillars. Very often they're pillars in our community or in our families. They're often described as like the glue in the family too, Interesting. And it says that like one of you had written that one of her like challenges is sort of like if she is single, if she's not in partnership, it can be really challenging. So like, how does a Juno woman stay in that embodiment without it becoming sort of, um, without her becoming fractured from not being in partnership? Well, I think the first thing is like not being ashamed of that. I actually see a lot of Juno women that are like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be happy without a partner? But these people are like psychologically instinctually driven to partner and to be part of a partnership. And there's nothing wrong with that. So part of it is making peace with that and not trying to be something that you're not, which a lot of Juno women do. Um, they try to not be the wife or try to not lean into it. But the other piece is just finding other things that they can commit themselves to and devote themselves to. Cause that's what they like. They like the process of building. These are your like power couple women. These are like, I see you and your mission and what you're moving towards. And I want to support you on that mission. So I will do these things behind the scenes and we will build and grow an empire together. Um, so it's very, there is strategy involved with the Juno woman. Um, 
when you see women that are like, oh, I didn't marry for love. I married because my husband could support me or I married because we have shared values or I married because of his mission. Like that is the Juno woman. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because um, I would relate to this archetype so much more about six years ago when I lived in New York City and I was very much about building that sort of partnership within that. I've always desired partnership. I don't think that's something that's ever lost me, but how I see it then and now is that I was very much um, wanted a man who, or a partner who was going to be really that match me at that same level of influence, power, uh, even just in a material sense, all of that. And, you know, now I've kind of shifted into just really, like I said, like wanting someone who's going to be supportive of the household, because I'm going to be the one sort of out making shit happen. And not that they're going to be like background noise or like, I do very much believe I'm going to build something alongside that. But I moved really away from like, I now kind of like, the thought of being a power couple kind of like freaks me out. Um, So I'm curious now this is opening up a whole other, like sort of just all of these thought bubbles around how, if we are repressing, and this could be like, once again, like I said, from our, our environment, essentially, wherever we're at in that modern time or wherever we're at that present time, because looking back, me and me, when this is when I lived in New York city, my understanding, my desire, my hunger for what I wanted is so different from now. And now it feels like this is my truth of where I want to be like this more mother role, this Athena role, this Artemis role, et cetera. And, but back then I could have totally looked at as being really wanting to be like this queen. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder like for women who are going to, or people who are going to tune in, mostly women is like, well, obviously what we're inviting mm-hmm. in this space, because we're exploring the feminine, not that the feminine resides within everyone. We're equal parts, feminine, and masculine, but we're in the sort of reclamation period of goddesses and the feminine. What I want to know from you is where we can sort of gain higher perspective and how understanding these archetypes could lead us to a deeper truth, essentially of who we actually are versus what we but what first what our environment is trying to tell us to be. Yeah. Well, I think like the thing with that, I think there's a part of this where the more you decondition and the more you become yourself, the more honest you are with yourself. And so sometimes when you first find the archetypes, the archetypes that you might resonate with the most might be the identity or the ego that you're living in right now, but not necessarily your true self. Right. So that might have been what was happening then with Hera. And who knows, maybe in 10 years, you might want to move into a different archetype. That's fine too. Like, I don't think that these things are necessarily stagnant or stuck and different things will bring these energies out, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I am in a committed partnership, I am very much a Hera. Like this energy comes out in me really intensely, but it takes a very specific type of person to bring the hero archetype out of me. There have only been two men ever who have gotten this energy from me. So different things and different people can also pull out different archetypes. So you don't know, you might end up meeting someone that pulls this out in you again. Um, because if it was there before, it's still there. It's just not as important. Activated, which kind of ties back our last conversation about how these different archetypes can um, complement one another in the reflections of one another. So like how, if I'm in more of my mother 
archetype, you're more in your maiden and we get along really well in that. And so it's that, it's that same thing, right? When we're, you know, able to, um, move through our, and be reflected, mirrored back from other different archetypes and different types of personalities and people, we might feel more inclined to be that not in a way that feels, um, not trying to look at it as a way that's like, I'm, I'm not solid in my understanding of who I am, but more receptive to being in a different way because of what's presented in front of me. And letting different people bring out different energies in you, right? There's certain people, like if you see me with my brother, I am a series woman with him so through and through like I mother him so bad it's awful um different people will naturally bring out these different energies energies in you and that's also okay it doesn't mean that you're not being your authentic self I think that's also a fear that people have of like oh if I'm not just like steady across the board the same with everyone then who am I but you can come in and out of the different archetypes and Hira is one that or Juno sorry is one that we all know that feeling and that desire for divine partnership, right? And what she really represents is like monogamous, devoted partnership. And I don't know very many people outside of people that are like actively know that they're polyamorous by nature. Everyone that I know that is monogamous is like, yeah, I want like a monogamous, devoted union where I am devoted to my partner and they are devoted to me. So I think in some ways, Juno lives inside all of us, you know? Yeah, which is powerful, especially as we've kind of moved through, um, well, I've been, I've been learning a lot about marriage and relationships because I'm trying to deep mm-hmm. understand them so that I can actually like, I don't know, participate in one. (laughs) (laughs) And what's interesting to me is how, you know, marriage, like I, like I said, was based on, um, upholding the kingdom or a lineage or, or whatnot. It was business essentially. Yes. And then, right. And then we, and then it's kind of like, then it got into like a free movement where we weren't getting married as much and the birth rates are down. Like, this is all like, kind of just Mm -hmm. like, you know, And then we've moved into this space where it became like, I do feel we're in sort of a reclamation of what marriage and divine union really means. And you're hearing a lot in this modern age, divine union, Mm -hmm. uh, side of like soul contracts or whatnot that are coming through. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like this Juno, archetype is going to become more prevalent in our society as like this is shifting too. Yeah, I think it could be. I haven't really thought of that. I definitely think that the lover is becoming more prevalent, but this would be one where I think what's going to happen is that for the people where this is important, it will become extra important. There will be more devotion brought into marriage. And then for the people where this isn't important, it's not an archetype for them. They're going to forego it entirely. They're not even going to half-ass marriage. They're not not even going to try to half-ass any of this. Um, But I think moving forward, we're actually going to have health or better unions because if you marry now, for the most part, you're marrying out of choice, right? And at least that'll start to shift a lot more moving forward. Um, But these are sometimes the, the women. So on the one hand, These women really need to be in partnership with someone that they feel is devoted to them, interested in them, like 
um, who is equally as devoted to them as they are to, you know, whatever, that it's reciprocal. Um, but these can sometimes ironically, because they are attracted to very successful, competent leaders, um, politicians, businessmen, whatever, they ironically end up marrying men that aren't that devoted to them. They often will end up marrying men that are devoted to their work. Mm. Um, and if, if it follows the traditional Juno Zeus path, Hero Zeus path, it can even be the woman who gets married, devotes her whole life, her whole everything to this man, 10 years in finds out that for him, it was more about having a wife and having that partner to support him and that he had mistresses on the side and then the hero woman rages a woman scorned like that whole story that we've seen play out so many times um I think that we'll have less of that in the future because people just aren't gonna be getting married for the same reasons they are right now which is for status and support Mm -hmm. and those different things does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah, absolutely. Which is still like, we still have such conditioning around that, right? Tied to um, essentially like what marriage was originally instituted as, as a way to, like, that was your only way as a woman sometimes to, you know, you never really owned land. You never really had anything yeah. except maybe your title in marriage. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we're in a very different society and now we even have different types of partnerships and whatnot. How like beyond so she is the goddess of marriage so does she exist in any other realm out of that or would you only like associate with this archetype if you're someone super driven to be in divine union yeah I would I've never seen this in someone that doesn't want to be married like if someone's like yeah marriage is not important to me or or at least divine long-term partnership it doesn't have to be marriage it has to be whatever feels significant for that person, right? Like my mom is a really good example. She is not religious. She isn't, you know, any of that stuff. She doesn't really care about, you know, the government getting into her her matters, but she's a hero woman. So she's not married, but her and my stepdad um, have been together since I was like 12. And she is very much this archetype. I grew up surrounded by Hira Juno women. Um, So it doesn't have to be marriage, but it does have to be partnership. And these people don't tend to do very well when they're single. They don't enjoy being single. That's not fun for them Um, unless they have other archetypes activated. But I what I'm excited for and I'm excited for this to happen with all of the different archetypes is that Hera in her like Juno in her own right was a queen before Zeus. So she was the only goddess that had a kingdom or a queendom without a man, without that connection. So her roots are very sovereign, right? But through her marriage to Zeus and that merging, and this is what you'll see a lot of times, um, these women will do very successful, like they'll be very successful themselves. Um, but their success is driven by their ability to kind of merge successfully with another man, right? It's not yeah. always by them. And so yeah. I'm excited for the possibility of Juno women also um, leaning more into that queendom and into that natural sovereignty, which some, some Juno women already do. Um, so I think it really depends. There's a spectrum there. 
Yeah. I mean, now this is making total sense of why we have Brooke. At first I was like, why is Brooke in charge of this? She's <laughs> she to me is just like, she's so many things to me, but she really is this. And she's building such her own empire that she, mm-hmm. and she speaks to me and hopefully it's okay. For, I'm sure it's okay that, that she really does want that person that she's like, also has that empire and they're going to like combine forces and like do the mm-hmm. thing. And, um, yeah, so I'm excited to see how she's going to bring it in and, um, what would, what would potentially be, um, difficulties or challenges with this archetype as far as like, I imagine it'd be really easy to devote yourself to someone and then kind of lose yourself or like, what are the, what are the necessarily, I guess, what are the challenges of this archetype? Yeah. So she, this archetype can like exactly what you said, be codependent. And sometimes these can be the people that are blindsided by, I gave everything to this person and then realize that I'm not really receiving that back. Sometimes, you know, women can have a hard time leaving a relationship um, that they're, they're committed to. They're like, this is, I know I need to not be here, but this is really hard to leave. That's where the Juno and the, the Aphrodite women are similar. So they're different, but they do have some similarities. Um, but some of the biggest challenges is that this woman, her, because her world is, uh, devoted to her partner, her self-esteem and her happiness is really contingent upon how much of that she's getting back. So these can be the people that get really depressed and really upset and are, are really affected by their marriage or by their partnership if it's not going well. Um, and they also, um, can have like, this is the scorned woman. So there's a jealousy, there's a rage, and sometimes there's a natural dislike and distrust towards other women. So sometimes this can be the woman that isolates herself and ends up putting her whole life into her partner and then losing her friends and her other networks. And even like the networks that she holds on to are superficial, they're business, they're about reputation, they're about those other things. So sometimes, um, this woman can feel really isolated and really lonely. Okay. Yeah. That's, and just like a lot of things are coming up as we dive into this archetype. So I'm just like, whoa, I think that this workshop is going to be it's going to be a blast off for whoever attends because this yeah. is really helping me understand the women in my life. And yeah. yeah. Um, what does, what does the modern Juno look like? What is, what can she be? Who is she? How does she yeah. like show up in this modern sense? The best Juno I've seen, um, and she's not a pure Juno. She's got some other qualities, but Elle Woods from, from Legally Blonde. Like if anyone is going to chase their friend to school, get into Harvard, just not because they want to go to Harvard, but because they're like, I'm going to get into Harvard so that I can get this man back because this is my man. Even though you're like Elle Woods, you're literally the most beautiful woman on the planet. This Mm. is my man. I'm a stick beside him. Um, And then also like, think about that. Her, Her whole purpose at that point was to get married and to get this one specific man to marry her. Um, but she also like kills it in the law and in politics and and in these different things. She was a queen bee. She's very good at organizing things, very capable. So I would say like 
the modern Juno woman is the woman that gets married young, typically finds her partner young. There's an energy about her that is very like, you're a wife. Like you meet her and you're like, this is somebody's wife. She's got that, that grace that like, she's a lady. There's a lady element to her. Very refined, usually very elegant. Um, and this is often the woman that, um, is hypergamous, marrying up, marrying rich. This is the woman that is going to be like, yeah, if you're not going to pay for my rent, I'm not going to date you. Like that's kind of the whole hypergamy movement is a very hero led movement with women right now. Um, as well as these are, these are the women that we look at and we go, wow, you're a really good wife. You're a very devoted wife. And it's not that all, not all hero women or Juno women experience the Juno Zeus relationship. Like they also do tend to inspire a devotion in whoever they're committed to. So they often will get to see a side of monogamous partnership that maybe some other people don't, don't. And they have a natural gift for compromise for like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to let go of in order for this to work. Um, they're natural, like team players with yeah. whatever it is you're doing. That's devotion, right? Like you have to yeah. be willing to sacrifice and you have to be willing to, yeah. What's coming up for me. I'm a little triggered. <laughs> What's coming up for me is my misconception or misunderstanding of what a queen means in modern society. Like we kind of use this word a lot. Like I'm a queen. I deserve, I deserve the best. Da, da, da. Like I'm not going to play in this shit. Like, you know, I even just think of it like when it comes to my own dating, I'm like, well, I'm a queen. So treat me like a queen where like I'm conflicted in understanding, or I guess where I'm like, I'm having a hard time letting both exist is like how to me, Juno sort of represents more of like not waiting. Like it sounds like she does in the modern age build something that is really like important to her and then is matched with that energy by someone else. And that's where the power couple comes in. But yeah. how much is like, even though we speak of sovereignty with the queen or with Juno, like how much is it is actually like her devotion to something other than herself. Yeah, I think there's a few different ways that that it can show up. I do think that more queens are becoming more sovereign, but they're not becoming sovereign in the way that we think of like fully independent and whole on her own. She's sovereign in that she's making active choices towards building something. And to some people, those might not look like sovereign choices, but she's making those choices because she has the power to make them. Um, like she's not, this is, is where, okay, if you have a queen, a, a Juno woman and a Persephone woman, a maiden woman side by side, and you're looking at their marriages, they might look similar. The Persephone woman is probably going to be doting on her partner, probably going to be pretty devoted, probably trying very hard to please, but she's going to be pouty about it. She's going to be a little bit like, mm, I don't, I don't want to, you know, it won't feel like a choice for her. The queen is like, this is my choice. This is what I am choosing. She's powerful enough to feel as though she is choosing and being chosen. Um, the, a really good, actually modern representation of the queen is um, Jazzy. I can't remember her last name, but she did an episode on, oh my gosh, what is her podcast? 
Shan Boudram, I'll link it in the, the show notes. This woman did a whole podcast episode on her devotion to her partner who like Jazzy herself is a very like powerful, strong woman. Um, if you see her public persona, she's got a lot going on. I think she's like a DJ. She's been on some TV. Like she's very well known in the entertainment community. So she's got her own empire that she has built and is building. But she talks about with her partner, who is a football player, I think, Cam something. Um, she talks about how with him, she does everything for him. She is like, I anticipate his needs. Like he is spoiled rotten. Anything that he wants, I deliver. And I deliver before he could even ask, right? That is the energy. So she in herself is this like powerful queen bee sovereign, got her own shit going on, but she's also choosing to be very devoted to this one man. So it's sovereign in that it's a choice. It's not something that has like, passively happen to her in the way that it would with like a Persephone woman does that make sense yeah that helps me feel better (laughs) Um, so if you don't carry her archetype because like we're learning every archetype serves us even if that's not our primary archetype how does Juno serve us if we don't carry her if she's on our main Shazam your ability to commit, your ability to follow through and your ability to be devoted to something and to make some of the sacrifices needed in order to build something bigger. One of the things that I love about Juno women is that they know that the small sacrifices right now make for really big gains down the road. They play the long game um, and they're very like you want these people leading you like they're very good leaders because of that ability to see the bigger picture and to see the long game and to not necessarily be they're connection oriented in a way but they're not run over by their feeling they're not allowing their emotions to run the show so they do also make really good partners if you want to be a good partner this is an important energy to learn yeah absolutely it's funny because you know we've covered now the love the lover and I was seeing how she really needs to be sort of she's all really about you know non-expectation especially when it comes to relationship and I need to bring that out more in my dating life mm-hmm. right now and then um just talking about now Juno and how she's and now that's why I'm all realizing too why I'm a little like triggered or uncomfortable with her archetype or her traits her qualities mm-hmm is because I'm realizing how much I need to be in her archetype right now to drive and be committed and devoted to a project that I'm bringing through next year. That's a huge like legacy project. It's huge. It's massive. And it requires me to consistently show up and be devoted to it in order to bring it all the way through because it is, I will need to be in that leadership queen role in order for that for people to receive it and want to get on board and be in partnership with me to build it. So I'm just like, I'm taking notes, mental notes, because (laughs) I'm excited for us to explore in this workshop, how these different archetypes can support us in our different areas in our life. Yeah. So even if if Juno is the goddess of marriage, like her energy, her markings, her traits could serve in outside of marriage in a different way for someone joining in the workshop. Yeah. And it is too, like, I think most people want to be in like 
a devoted partnership. And one of the things that I find <clears throat> is that a lot of women want to receive that energy from their Zeus, from their partner, but they don't want to give it. And Juno teaches us that you have, you, you have to give what you want to receive. And so a lot of modern women are very triggered by the Juno archetype because the Juno archetype requires a certain amount of sacrifice. And they're like, what do you mean your goals don't come first? What do you mean your desires don't come first? We have a lot more grace and understanding for series slash Demeter women who their goals are come secondary to their children. We have a lot more space and understanding and, and that is understood within the feminist movement. But I find that ironically, the Juno archetype, even though she is very deeply connected to women and, and like childbirth, she's also the, the goddess of childbirth and all these different things. Um, a lot of women are triggered by her because a lot of people fear that like what happens if I devote to, you know, myself to a man. And I find that if this archetype is triggering you, it's because there's probably still some trauma or shadow surrounding trusting men. Because of course you're you're not gonna bring your Juno out with a man that you don't trust. That's just like not happening, right? And so this archetype is another one of those ones where it requires a certain amount of healing to be able to lean into and to understand. And it's very misunderstood and sometimes demonized in the modern world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You see the women that are like, let me check with my husband. I'll let you know. Maybe I can come on the girls' night, but I'm going to check, you know? And we go, oh, how dare she check in with her husband? But that's yeah. her natural state. That's her way of being. And so I think that we as fellow women also have to do a better job of understanding Juno. Yeah. Because we were in the pendulum swing of like the far opposite yeah. of that, of like women's empowerment and the feminine movement, feminist movement and whatnot of like, moving out of that. And I, I want to like really emphasize the yes. And aspect of this, cause this is what's, you know, it's, I just spoke on this and was it this episode or our last episode of the spectrum? Yeah. Persephone and the spectrum thinking. And this, again, like this and circling back to this, if we understand these archetypes within ourselves, we can understand them within others and we can like allow people to be people. So allow people to fill the unique roles they came here to fill. Like we didn't all come here to do the same thing. If we all came to do the exact same thing, like that would be, it, there wouldn't be enough oxygen because so like to me, the reason we are blueprinted and designed to do, to hold such different roles in society and our collective and in our families and our lineage and all of it is so that there's enough, enough oxygen to be divided around amongst us. Cause there, and there is, there is plenty of it. Um, so I'm excited for Brooke to bring mm -hmm. her understandings. She is to me, someone who really can break down in such a consistent and clear message, what it means to be in relationship, particularly romantic relationship. We know that's kind of her emphasis. Brooke to me is a wonderful uh, mixture and I don't know, jubilation is the word that's coming towards me of all of these fantastic uh, archetypes. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see her in this role or in this reverence and whatnot for um, Juno, because 
when I do see her in her highest state, um, in her highest potential, this is a place I could really see her residing in and flourishing in and being so embodied in. So I'm excited to see how she brings that to us and what her, um, her medicine will be around it. Yeah. I'm really excited too. I always love learning from her and learning just like her unique perspective on relationships and that give and take. Um, so that's going to be a really fun class. Yeah. Yeah. She blows my mind. We love Brooke. Well, yeah, if you've listened to our other archetypes and now you're listening to this one about Juno, there's going to be way more exploration in the offering that we're putting together on November 19th and 20th, Seven Sisters Archetype Workshop that um, Giselle of the Cosmic Laundry and then me, Tahiti, are hosting together and bringing in these really bomb-ass women to represent and to bring in their teachings, their embodiments, and practical, approachable, attainable, like real tactile applications to our life. So join us on that. And we're so grateful you're here. Yeah. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of our community. If you want to help us to grow, you can share this episode on your Instagram, share it with your friends. If you do that and you tag us so I can see it, I would love it. I'd just be so, I get so happy every time I hear about how the podcast is impacting you. Really, that's the only thing that keeps me going and keeps me creating with the podcast because it is so much work sometimes but I just love hearing from you and if there's any guests that you want me to have on the podcast any topics you want me to cover just reach out to me send me a dm and we will add it into the content list hope you guys have a great week bye everyone